I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show here we'll both we'll we'll both say three two one and then we'll clap okay you you start it though three three two one one clap all right whatever good enough you'll figure it out so many, so many, so many damn books. Hello out there in podcast land. Welcome to So Many Damn Books, a blessing, a curse podcast. My name is Christopher and joining me in the Zoom damn library hyperspace zone committee. It's sky, a ghost. Ghost, ghost castle uh, is Drew. Hello, former co-host, erstwhile co-host, journeyman podcaster, and I've been traveling the world and I have stories to come back with. Yeah. And please don't do that (laughs) accent for the whole time, if I can ask. Could you even imagine? (laughs) Welcome back, Drew. How's it feel? Thanks, buddy. It's uh, a pleasure as always to see your face, to hear your voice, to speak with you of books it's so good to have you back on the show doing what we do best indeed there's a lot to catch up on are you drinking anything special uh i made um a reverse Vesper, because I went to my bar and realized that I didn't have enough gin. Was the Vesper made up for Casino Royale, or was yeah. that... Okay. I mean, maybe the drink existed before that, but every um, version of it since has been wiped from memory. It is, it's supposed to be three parts gin, one part vodka, half a part sweet-ish vermouth, shaken very well, uh, served with a lemon twist. Shaken. Shaken, not stirred. Uh-huh. Oh, that's uh-huh. where. It, oh, yeah. Okay. And so, what is a reverse Vesper? Um, I just I only had one part gin, and so I did three parts of vodka to one part gin. Oh, uh, okay. And how's it drinking? Uh, it's not as much fun as the other way around. The other way, the other way around, you really get like all of the gin notes. Yeah, the botanicals and everything. This is sort of a like, hey, do you want some vodka and a little <laughs> bit of gin? Well, that sounds nice. I'm drinking a straight up classic martini, um, using Saint George terroir gin. Do you know Saint George? No. Lovely um, 
bottles. I feel like you would recognize them if you saw them because they're very distinctive and they're pretty well carried. They're, the note that I get out of this, and maybe it's just because they say so on the bottle, I don't know, but it's Douglas fir. It's got that scent. It's got that like Christmas feel to it. And, you know, as as a lover of the season all year round, it's a fantastic gin. <laughs> and it's really nice, actually, with an onion um, instead of an olive. Nice. I've been really into the classic martini recently. I've been like cra- craving them. Okay, uh, so this is a, straight up a recommendation. It was already going to be a recommendation for you, but Isolation Proof, this distillery, sort of up near me, their regular gin is great, but they do a seasonal gin every season. So they do like a spring, summer, fall, winter gin. The winter gin this year, the botanicals are juniper, coriander, cassia bark, angelica root, licorice root, orange peel, wild apples, pears, Assam black tea and mm. raw honey. Ooh, it's the best gin I've ever had. Seems like and, like almost like a sipping gin, like yes, like almost like cognac or something. It's so good, and like their summer gin had pink peppercorns and rhubarb. Like it either plays havoc with a bartender or opens up new doors. You know what I mean? I feel like you're either like, oh man, I have to make up all new recipes when I get this gin, or Oh, I'm so excited to make up all new recipes with this gin. That sounds so good. Yeah, I need to find isolation-proof gin. Yeah. Um, listen, okay. I'll look around. I can hook it. They have a mushroom gin that's like oh. distilled from mushrooms. That sounds it's we- nice. It's weird up here in the woods, my man. <laughs> a mushroom. See, I love all things mushroom. I'm I'm obsessed with. Do you really? Yeah, I, I've known I, you for a long time, and I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I always want to get the mushroom dish if there's one on on the menu that's featuring it, a mushroom pasta, and I, you know, the idea of going and collecting mushrooms is one of those exciting and also terrifying prospects when you look at one of these, uh, mycology guides. Is that the right? Uh huh. Yeah. They're like this one with circles and brown spots (laughs) is poisonous but this one with brown circles and light brown spots is delicious so and i just i'm not interested in taking my life into my own hands that way it makes you appreciate the like highlights magazine training that we all got when we were kids of the like spot the difference between these two (laughs) pictures like and that all of us got so good at that and that Mm -hmm. particular thing i feel like maybe that's why one of the best-selling books at the Golden Notebook last year was the, like, Mushrooms of the Hudson Valley Foraging oh, yeah. Guide. See, I uh, thought you were going to talk about what we learned from the Timber Toes about being a family <laughs> made out of wood. Very different relationship to mushrooms, I guess. Yeah, very. I, I feel like there must have been a Timber Toes strip that dealt with growing <laughs> mushrooms upon their limbs. Maybe not. Maybe that's too much body horror for high <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say. Should we talk about books we bought? Certainly. Go ahead. So I just came from a live event at the bookstore with local-ish author Leah Conan, who writes thrillers that are set up here in the Hudson Valley. And her latest, um, You Should Have Told Me, 
I finally picked up a copy of that. I had like a digital galley. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just fun to have books in the library that are set where you live. Oh, yeah. There, there's something about that. Um, but as I was talking with her at the end, inspired, frankly, by this show, I always ask folks at the end of our live events, what are you reading or what do you want to recommend? Like, t- tell me what the other book that you want somebody to pick up is when they come get your book. And she mentioned something that I went back to the store and immediately put a copy on hold for me once it comes out next week um, or by the time you're hearing this last week or this week or Mm -hmm. time doesn't matter. The writing retreat by Julia Bartz. Yeah. I just got Um, a copy of that. Nice. It looks, it looks so fun. Her sister, Andrea also spends some time up here in the Hudson Valley and writes thrillers. Um, the family thriller. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but so I'm, I'm What's really Thanksgiving stoked. like at that house. It's murder. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were saying something earlier off mic about how thriller titles are a little difficult these days. And I completely agree <laughs> that like it is becoming harder to remember thriller titles because they're always like the couple next door, the couple between us, the couple across the street, through the window, (laughs) across the street. It's just any phrase that you might say to someone that could be turned menacing is or will soon be a thriller title. Yeah. Hey, honey, look at that. Thriller title. The owl in the tree outside. Thriller title. It's the book equivalent of using a really slowed down pop song <laughs> in the in trailer. A movie trailer. Yeah. You know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. There's something reassuring about that. You don't even need to know the title as long as you know the author. If you don't know the exact title, but you're like, it's this author. I'm speaking to you all now as a bookseller. When you walk into your local bookstore and are like, ah, you know, it's a thriller. The, if you can tell the name of the writer or even something close to the name of the writer, they'll be like, oh, and then they will say several phrases at you. <laughs> One of those phrases will be the book that you're looking for and not a threat on your life. Yeah, I feel like we need to bring some more wild naming conventions <laughs> to the thriller. Because it's it's. It's beyond a parody at this point. All right. Did you have you what have you bought? Well, I went down the rabbit hole. I was reading um this really interesting book called Gossip from the Forest by Sarah Maitland. And it's a nonfiction book about going into the German forests where like the grim fairy tale stories were set and written and sort of like seeing how fairy tales and folk tales are tied to that land in that area and why cool very cool stuff and then i i was looking her up and she has all of these short story collections that seem in their descriptions to sound like kelly link or amy bender or even like angela carter sort of fabulous short stories like very cool twisty premises and so i got a book that's long out of print called a book of spells and then I've been seeing this book around on book talk actually this book cursed bread 
by Sophie McIntosh. She wrote Water Cure, a book that yes. I wasn't didn't quite connect with me, but this one is based on a real unsolved mystery of a mass poisoning of a French village in 1951. Whoa. But it seems like it's all about like the baker's wife and an affair and first bread. Great. And it's also like a really slim little like it seems like it's one of these like not for not here for a long time, here for a good time, packs a punch <laughs> type of book. Oh man, I wish I worked at a bookstore that was cool enough to turn that into our like Here's our short books you can read in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Not here for a long time, here for a good time. <laughs> so I've got those. And then I also, I pre-ordered this book. So Jeff Rickley, the lead singer of Thursday, uh-huh. he, uh, who always had great lyrics, by the yeah. way, yeah, is releasing a his debut novel. And I pre-ordered that. It's called um, Someone Who Isn't Me. And it's on his on Chelsea Hodson's independent press Rose Books that she's just starting. It's their lead title. And I think cool. it's so cool to kind of be a you know, be a I mean, Thursday still has millions of listeners and everything. Like I feel like he could have gone to a big publisher if he'd wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of cool to be the the lead title on an independent press. I'm making Damn, a lot that of cover is great here. too. So, and all yeah. of the early notes on the book are really stellar. So I'm really excited to check it out. Oh, that's, this looks great. We are heading into March. Oof. Chachi, chachi, chachi. Chickens don't clap. <laughs> the tournament of books. 2023 coming up around the corner. You've read a lot of the books, haven't you? I have, and also I have a, like a um a notable stack of them on my TBR that I just keep deciding to read like witchy romance novels instead. Okay, <laughs> and I don't I don't want that to reflect on the quality of those books because I think at least two of them are like definite contenders for the for the title. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much more about sort of my truth at this moment, which is, I guess, witchy romance. Right. But anyway, um, it, I don't know. Do you know how many you've read? I need to do the math. I think I've read probably eight or nine, which is more than the last couple of years. It's a really good list this year. Yeah, like, I, I thought it was a, a cool fun spread. list. And... Already, it's got one of these titles that I would have never read if it hadn't been included in the tournament because I just, it just wasn't even on my radar for some reason. But that book, The Violin Conspiracy by Brendan Slocum. Yeah. Such a, if you like, it, it feels sort of like Bel Canto and Patchett. Like, if you, that book used thriller stuff to tell an opera story. Mm hmm. And this book uses thriller stuff to tell a violin story. And it's yeah. just a fun, like, you do feel like you are really learned something about what it's like to play the violin as well as having this very fun mystery of it's wild to learn where the violin went. That he's like a concert violinist. Right. This and is like, his world. Yeah. And so it does once. I didn't know that when I started reading it. And I got to the end of it feeling that, like, 
damn, I really feel like I know some stuff about the violin. And his afterward was like, as a concert violinist, all of this is stuff that's happened to me other than the Stradivarius getting stolen. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. Like it changes it a little bit in a way where you're like, damn, this is really what it looks like. That book totally moved me. I was very involved in Mm -hmm. it. in in And it also is one of these great books that has like, real violin pieces highlighted so you can go and listen to them and listen to like oh my god that's what he's playing like it's (laughs) it's always these wild pieces you said that to me um because you read it before i did i think but you cited uh rika aoki's light from uncommon stars as a book that i had said to you that you should read and similarly you were like i looked up the things that the that they were playing and that that elevated it i think i still think that's a very cool thing to do oh yeah i you know making your own illuminated text just seems Mm -hmm. like something to do especially if they're really because sometimes they reference something and it doesn't exist at all i read a novel that was all about a painting all about a painting that didn't exist and it was almost frustrating because you wanted to like get into the details that these characters were getting into. I just finished uh, Lydia Sandgren's collected works that's out from Astra House. It was it's apparently like a big smash hit in Sweden, uh, and it just got translated for the U.S. And similarly, there's a British author named William Wallace who's like talked about as a like lost Hemingway so convincingly that I was halfway through this 600-page book. And I was like, I'm going to look this guy up. I'm the only <laughs> William Wallace I know is the Braveheart guy. Fucking fake. And I had, I like, I understood for a brief moment why you got so mad at a book like Sudden Death, where it just is, like, convincing you that this is the real world. Oh, so, and- mu- so much history presented as though it's history. <laughs> And it ain't. It's fine. I don't, I don't. William Wallace isn't real. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind making up stuff because I actually think it's one of the absolute best things to do. Right. Um. I really love when there's art pieces that you're just describing and it's not a real thing. I do think that that is, can be really satisfying. It's something about though, when you're really basing the entire book around someone like that, mm-hmm. that's where it gets a little shaky for me of just like, shoot, like I really want to be able to, to connect to them like these characters are. Yeah. Oh, man. You should cut this out because it's starting to go far afield. There's this book. It's a horror book, and I know you don't love that, mm. but it's called It Rides a Pale Horse by this guy, Andy Marino. Okay. Where it's it ends up being kind of a cosmic horror thing, but like about art, mm-hmm. and it includes a character who's got some weird talent of folding like unknowable eldritch things into paintings and the way that she like gets that out of her system is by copying famous paintings but like having one little weird thing and it is such a fun like edward hopper you're like talking about the diner and the thing and then like you can feel the narrative focus center in on like a thing that you can't describe and it's exactly that thing you I like I knew there was somebody who needed to read this book and it's you. <laughs> so add that to your side list. Yeah, that sounds good. There is a book on the tournament of books list that makes me feel like a hypocrite for what I just said though because Oh no. Oh no. 
Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabriel Zevin. None uh-huh. of those video games exist or and I don't right. I wasn't like mad that they didn't exist. Yeah. So I don't know what it is, like why there are some books that make you sort of really want that thing and other ones that it's just like, I want that, but I don't I'm not mad I, I that I got sort of bamboozled. Do you think it has something to do with how those things interact with the story? I guess like, so. I mean, it's got to be. Something like Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, the the games themselves, even in that sort of like bravura later section where you're in a game, the games don't matter. Like the only game that matters is Oregon Trail, really. Right. In that entire book. And that's a real thing. And it, like, whereas something like Sudden Death it's like trying to it's talking about it as though like this historical thing is real and it matters like it has real world ramifications if that's not true also because there is very little plot to speak of in those yeah that's true but then again i think of something like benjamin labitat's book uh, when we cease to understand the world which is like wending mm-hmm. in that i didn't mind it as much and i think that that's yeah. Might be yeah. just because those experiments are quite different. Right. I can't discount my own mood in all of this because right. I could have been reading Sudden Death in a truly horrible mood that because <laughs> you know, I I I I can't really imagine like a book making me that mad as that book did to this day. Do you think that that is by virtue not in a bad way? But by virtue of us getting older and sort of like feeling by that, I mean, like the fires are cooling just a little bit. Like we don't always feel like we have to have like a feeling about something. Or is it truly like flip the script? And if you had read The Violin Conspiracy at 26, you would have hated it. And if you'd read Sudden Death for the first time at 36, you might love it. You know what I mean? I think it's that I learned that I I don't need to, I don't need to be in on the experiment. Mm. That I can let some experiments be like, that's interesting. Cool thing to, cool thing to be trying. fucking phrase. Damn. Yeah. But I don't need to be part of it. Yeah. For a long time while I was like studying fiction, when I was getting my MFA, I really wanted to see like, what else can you do? What are the, how do you, can you pull this apart? What are the threads that you can pull out and make something completely your own? But I always ended up coming back to a pretty traditional structured novel Mm -hmm. as being what I wanted, what I wanted to make and what I wanted to sort of imbibe over and over. And yeah, I still like experiments, but I think I'm much better than I used to be at picking the ones that are actually going to be satisfying. Yeah. That's a, it's a nice place to be just like more aware of one's thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, nine years on, I feel like we should be at, at the level of reading that we've been doing. <laughs> I, know. I feel like we should be, be much better. I feel, and I do feel like I am better at choosing, choosing things, even though I still end up in these ruts where I'm just like, boy, I can't seem to, get a good book off these shelves yeah i increasingly too i mean i think that some of that is by virtue of the fact that we both read as much as we do that inevitably the standard is higher 
-hmm. regardless of whether or not a book that we dislike actually like it's it's also about our mood but like the standard is higher there's just if there's 200 books on your tbr and at least 10 of them were interesting to you when you pulled book zero off of the shelf like that book's gotta deliver in order for you not to be like okay on to the next but yeah i, also... I mean i see the other side too of like the people that read only like 12 books a year mm-hmm. man do does those those 12 books have to really cook yeah isn't that the truth yeah i i'm always trying to analyze that when i'm thinking of a recommendation Mm -hmm. where it's just like am i recommending something to someone who is reading 60 books this year and this can just be one of them or am i recommending like one of the four books they're going to read this year in which case like maybe not that one yeah (laughs) my uh Danny's grandparents for Christmas every year, her grandmother gets her grandfather. She goes to Vroman's in Pasadena and gets the like top 12 books of the last year. Oh, and there's, there's a little bit of like her grandfather loves like Jack Reacher thrillers and stuff. So like they know to skew it a little bit, but basically it's like, what were the 12 best books? And those are the 12 books that he'll read this year. Like, that's that isn't that is a way that a lot of people do it. Yeah. Back on turning in the books. Yeah. I want I want your I want your prediction of what you want to win versus what you think will win. This is one of the few years that I don't feel bad about the thing that I think will win. I'm like and if that one, I'd read, I think tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is going to win. Um, and I love that book. Like, absolutely. But I think I I did, as I often do, I'm looking around just in case it's still here and hasn't been used as kindling in the fireplace. I, like, print the bracket the day it comes out and mm-hmm. just do a, truly a, like, this book, this book, this book, even though I haven't necessarily even read some mm-hmm. things. Like the fact that the violin conspiracy and manhunt are going up against each other in the first round, I'm like, oh, fuck. Right. Gosh, that really uh that really That's tough. That's a different It's a mood. weird it's a weird matchup. But like I it, my first draft bracket had Manhunt and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow going up against each other for like very different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I I was like, this is either a twelve and one or a 13 and three match or whatever. It's a very um, lopsided matchup or it is an absolute nail biter. Like it either. And I uh, reading the, um, the discord, my, my belief that manhunt can go all the way has taken a hit. Cause there are a lot of people who are just like, what, why? Yeah. Um, but I think if it's the right group of readers, it's like that book has a has a snap to it that I could see it I could see it making some waves, I guess. I no longer think it's like a possible Cinderella story, but I do think I could see it making some waves. Yeah. What about you? I see I also see that it's sort of tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow's field to lose. 
it's just such a good story about artists and friendship and it's such an sort of epic scope but it's still kept pretty small i just think there's so much cool stuff on display in it um but i think that mercury pictures presents by anthony mara has an outside chance it's mm -hmm. um it was a really satisfying read and then i think the dark horse to me is sea of tranquility just because yeah it is sort of it's kind of the David Mitchell sort of entry of the year. Mm -hmm. It feels like the bone clocks. It feels like, you know, cloud Atlas. They really, the, this is a tournament that likes those sort of like huge scopes. Yeah. And that, that, that sea of tranquility has a really nice, and it's still like this breezy compact, like packs a punch. Mm -hmm. It is not, you know, a 700 page book that, you know, ties together so many things like she did that in such you know yeah with such brevity that i feel like that that really is the is the one that i'm like that's the one to watch and if it goes out i see it coming back as the zombie i think so too man it's funny to think about that book in particular on this bracket because i read that book in late 2021 yeah and yeah. i loved it like i it's what it but it was one of like by the time writing my list for last year came around, I had to be reminded that that was a book that came out in 2022. It's just time is weird. That book is one of these Brooklyn moments, like only in New York, where I was walking to a party, listening to the audiobook took the audio book out, put it in, said hello to people. And it's like, oh, this is my friend, Emily. It's like, neat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying your book right now. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, the, that's a really only in New York, Brooklyn type of thing. And the perfect author for that to happen too. Like the perfect author book moment continuum. Yeah, yeah. It was very much like I'm in the the right confluence of the multiverse at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking now at the bracket to see if I if there's anything. I'm excited to read the rabbit hutch, uh, only because Danny read it and she was like, yo, this book is way weirder than the copy says. And when Danny says that to me, I'm like, oh. So it's gonna be weird. I am um, very excited to read Babel. I haven't yet, and I'm really curious about it. And there's sort of a weird um in the in the Discord, which I so protested about getting onto Discord for Same. so long. It just seemed like I need to learn another one of these. But it is actually pretty fun, and there's a lot of you know different sorts of Discord communities. But the, and the Tournament of Books is one of them that I really like to check in on. They love notes on your sudden disappearance. Yeah, I have not read yet. Which I, I haven't read it either. And that's the one where I'm like, I need to probably get to that one soon because everyone who's reading that's like, oh, this is great. I wonder oh. too, just like from what I have heard about that book and what I have heard about Seven Moons of Mali Almeida, uh, which I've read like the first 10 pages of and just decided I needed to read witchy romances. Um like I could see that being at least a first round upset where the larger world will be like, 
what happened? And there'll be in the commentariat, there'll be like, you know, eight people who are like, we knew it. We were talking about this on the discord, you know? Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting year. I'm excited Indeed. to see it all play out March 1st and uh, March 8th. It's starting late this year. March 8th. Because, you know, I get it. They, like having the final on the last day of March is kind of fun. There is a lot of um, there's a lot of time to still re- get to a few of these titles. Basically an extra and, week. Yeah. All right. Well. Do you have any solid Drew approved recommendations? Yes. Of these witchy romances that you've been reading, perhaps? <laughs> yeah. Uh okay, I have a handful of recommendations. The witchy romances are the Witches of Thistle Grove series by Lana Harper. Um Lana, when she was a literary agent, was one of the first people who uh, didn't outright reject my pretty mediocre first manuscript. Um, and in fact, like sent, like did a full request and sent some nice notes back. And I didn't realize um, when I picked this up, I just was like, I had been hearing a lot about it. My sister got it for me for Christmas at the ripped bodice in Los Angeles, because I told her like, go to your local nationally renowned romance bookstore, get me, Something. I want something with witches, maybe, or swords. I don't know. I, I'm new to this. And this was the book that came back. It's called Paybacks a Witch is mm. the first one, which like, mwah, so yeah. good. Uh, I, I immediately read the next two. The fourth one comes out in August. There, It's just like a little bit of Bradbury a little bit of practical magic written by like a millennial. It's just, mm-hmm. it's so good. The sex scenes are great. The magic is great. It, they're funny. There are great cocktails in every single book. It, you just like, I just want to live in that world in a, in a way that I haven't in a long time of like a magic series. Mm-hmm. Um, The other things I will recommend we mentioned David Mitchell earlier. Mariana Enriquez's Our Share of Night, which just came out, translated by Megan McDowell. It's huge. It's enormous. If you only know her from her short stories, it's still the same dark, weird world, but gone to full David Mitchell scope. It's like, it starts with a father and son the wife mother has died they're going to her family's place for some weird ritual and it goes from like these two men in this car and at some like in the 1980s in argentina it jumps to london at the end of the 60s there's a great david bowie cameo there's like big scale cosmic horror kinds of things of like a house that is haunted by some weird poltergeists and a cult that worships a guy with big golden claws, but also that like Mitchellian heart. Yes. It's so, so good. Um, and then the last thing I'll recommend is a song. Okay. And this, this recommendation is going right to you, my guy. Um, the song is called new moon voodoo. 
and the artist is Strange Weather. Okay. I know about this guy and his project because of following Catherine Lacey on Instagram and like being like, oh, I like your music taste. So anything she'd post, I'd be like, yeah, I'll listen to this. Um, this guy's like doing a sort of like multi-instrumentalist pop thing. And I've liked a lot of the songs. This new tune is apparently, quote unquote, introducing the protagonist of the new record that has some like tarot-y elements to it. The song is so unbelievably groovy that you get to the <laughs> end of it and you're just like, fuck, that was a good song. In that like, you immediately have to listen to it 10 times. And very much in the Christopher Hermelin approved, like pop multi-instrumentalist groovy way. All right. And I'm if a- you hate it, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I'm excited to check this out. <laughs> I'm excited to check that out for sure. What do you got? Okay, well, keeping in music, um, I, I, I don't even know how this came across. I think it's just Spotify radio uh, coming off of listening to the Matilda st- soundtrack, you know, always <laughs> and still. Um finishing and then starting into like their like random broadway shuffle uh-huh. this guy has this is writing a musical based on the troy saga called Ooh. epic the musical and he's releasing them in um sort of movements it's guy by this guy um jorge rivera Hrons. And he's releasing them in in sections. So the first one was the Troy saga. The next one is the Cyclops saga. And I don't know what the third one will be, but you can tell where it's going. Uh, And these songs, it's so funny. They are just like such a grab bag of all current modern musicals, (laughs) Um, but in a really satisfying way where you're like, oh, that's a cool little riff on Hamilton. Oh, that's a neat little, you know, he's just, grabbing the little things from everywhere you can tell he loves musicals and um you know start maybe with the one that randomly came up on called just a man if Great. you want um or or open arms actually which open arms is like a friendship two two guys like talking about how to approach the world um and it's really fun and and uh, feel that one feels sort of like the beetlejuice musical uh-huh. uh, in some ways <laughs> It seems like it's going to be a fun show. I don't know. I can totally picture it, which is kind of the magic of this type of music. Yeah. And and sort of the fun thing about listening to to soundtracks that don't have a show that exists yet, um, which is a world that I'm just like sort of skimming the surface of, but I really, really like. So Epic the Musical, check that out. And then I just love the Rebecca Mackay. Everybody, it's, it's, this, it's hugely hyped. I don't, you know, I'm just adding to the chorus on on it but um i have some questions for you is about a classic film podcaster going back to her hometown or not her hometown but going back to her um old private high school Mm -hmm. to teach a podcast class and it just so happens to be also the site of the murder of her roommate um while she was there and she's sort of dealing with that um especially because one of the podcast students wants to make a podcast about that murder really really fun book i mean it's just so juicy and she 
I guess, juices it. You know, she really uses that juicer <laughs> on that premise and gets everything out of it that you possibly could, really. I mean, it's it's a great, yeah. it's a really, really good, you know, she really gets into the, to the, um, she really gets into the weeds with it in a great way, like in a way that you're glad that she went there. Oh, I'm so glad to hear, we were texting about it when you started reading it and I was like, ah, man, it's great. Let me know what you think. Yeah, it was and it was so did. satisfying. Another satisfying thing is supporting so many damn books on Patreon. Patreon.com slash SMDB. I have an idea of what I want to send to the $10 patrons that I am just sort of putting the finishing touches on my concept and I'm hoping that it works out. Nice. So if you want to get on that realm, they're just little things that I send to those people who feel so compelled to shoot a couple dollars my way. Um, and I also like to put, I put the episodes on their ad free as well as some extra cut for time cut because I sounded stupid or something <laughs> uh, stuff up on the Patreon that I never put anywhere else. So it's never been a better there's never been a better time to support patreon i mean support the show <laughs> whatever go and do it it's nice you really should it'll make you feel nice and you'll get to tell christopher the next time you see him that you've done it and that'll make him feel nice you can also if you don't feel like doing that you could also leave a review of the show there hasn't been a review of the show posted yet this year so you could be the cool first 2023 person to do it hell yeah don't you want to be cool and have those types of bragging rights okay i'm done shilling do you have anything you want to um plug drew i i want to plug for you that you do these great um author talks on their release days through the golden notebook so if you follow the golden notebook on socials you'll get the announcements for when you're doing your talks with people yeah that um that has been fun i got the green light to do it just with with People, I was getting like publicist outreach from things that I knew these authors were never going to come through the Hudson Valley. And I was like, but I know how to talk to people on a microphone. So, um, but thanks, man. Those are fun. No, I don't have anything else. It's uh, all my plugs go to you. <laughs> thanks for coming by, Drew. This was great. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Bye. Bye.